You're hard to swallow like a lozenger lodged in your trachea. Goodness gracious, bruh, I can never make this up. So just take your stuff, rake it up, and take the bus. Never fake the funk, you painted skunks. You played enough, I'm lifting bars to outer space, so the weight is up. Fight. W-H-U-P-L-P, Hillsboro, the center of the known world, coming to you live. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast, your source for the fighting arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am Jeff Shaw, and it is the week before Thanksgiving. Today I am thankful for including but not limited to Tofurky, Hannah Arendt, the Omoplata, and TFTC Academy carries Brad Acosta for letting us lock him out of his own gym yesterday for 45 minutes in the cold so we could record an interview. Thank you, Brad. You are awesome. With me, as always, is my man Trevor Hayes. How are you doing? doing today trevor i'm pretty good i'm if we're on the topic of stuff we're thankful for i'm thankful for uh penicillin and cage side mma for always supplying me with boxing gloves and shin guards and stuff to punch my friends with cage side mma is right up there with penicillin as one of humanity's greatest creations i would concur and so we are uh boomer's beard boomer has a beard now well no when he does have his beard okay i'm thankful for it because he looks like dale so we, we Dale Jr. So you get free stuff in Charlotte when that happens. Yeah, they got. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I wish I could grow a beard. And actually, one of the things you're going to talk about, we're going to you're going to hear about in the interview, is how much chest hair Joe Selecki and I have or do not have. Uh, so that's a weird preview. Before we get to that, we're coming to you live on 104.7 FM in Hillsborough, North Carolina. Everywhere else, we're streaming live at whoopfm.org, whupfm.org. So whether you're here with us in Hillsborough, birthplace of Team Rock, or you're pawing at your phone somewhere as you try and open that cup of coffee and guzzle it. Come with us, won't you? And or listen to the... slam un- your kids into a van and take them to church. Whatever that, normal families do on Sundays. That comes later, and I doubt any normal families are listening to our show. Uh, uh, yeah. Although, uh, you know, nobody's really normal anyway. And no. we're grateful for everyone. So yeah. come with us and listen to the untold stories of martial arts in the Carolinas and beyond. I am really excited about today's interview, and I know you are as well, Trevor. Today we interview Frankie Patches and Joe Selecki from Sarah BJJ Myrtle Beach. Uh, Frankie's the head instructor down there, black belt under Matt Sarah. Um, really, you know, tremendous instructor and a really entertaining guy. Joe is one very entertaining, very entertaining yes. guy. And he Joe was, is one of the when, best. When he started the talk yesterday, it was just like this is the best interview ever. I think it was hilarious. Yeah, story time with Uncle Frankie's funny. Um, and and, and uh, Joe Selecki, his student, is a brown belt and a monster who is arguably the best active competitor in the Carolinas right now, as well as someone who's focusing on MMA, something that you talked to them a lot about. I know that we're excited for his burgeoning MMA career. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so so we'll get to that in about 10 minutes, uh, so please please stick with us for that. It's a nice, long 45-minute interview, so you'll get to hear uh, a little bit of everything from those cats about, uh, about martial arts, about Joe's upcoming career, about Frankie's philosophy on teaching, about some fun old-school old fight stories, uh, and, uh, and, you know, so stick around for that. But before we get there, we're going to summarize some local martial arts news from the weekend. Uh, if we missed anything, please let us know. You can let us know on Twitter and Instagram. We're at CagesideWHUP. You can also shout us out on any social media channel using the hashtag CagesideWHUP. Our email, CagesideWhoop at gmail.com. And our Facebook page is CagesideRadio. If you forget any of this information or just want to hear it again for some reason, all of it's on our show page at WhoopFM.org. If you miss the show, you can always catch the replay at WhoopFM.org. And 
in a bit of news that's going to start our new segment, I've just gotten a notification today. We are now on iTunes, so you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You'll always be able to access the shows at whupfm.org, either streaming or archived later. But now if you want if you want it pushed to your phone so that you always know when a new show comes out, you can subscribe to the Cage Side Concussion Cast on iTunes, so I, please I do that. I kind of feel like we're Steve Martin in the movie The Jerk where he has the phone book, and he runs around yelling, I'm somebody, I'm somebody. <laughs> I, st- I, st- I think that's an awesome reference, and I, I still don't really think I'm somebody. But <laughs> oh, you stop. Oh, you know. You've got a place in my heart. Oh, as long as I have a place in your heart, then that's all that really matters to me. So we're on iTunes. Subscribe to us. That'll be fun. There's, you know, We've got a light fight news this weekend uh, in terms of local stuff, but we've got some national and international stuff we'd like to talk about. I know, Trevor, you wanted to talk about an upset that occurred on the UFC card. Neil yeah, Magny. Uh, Neil Magny came in on three weeks notice I think to fight uh, I just blanked on his name even though I said it earlier uh, Kevin Gastelum oh yeah uh, Kevin Gastelum who won the ultimate fighter right yes he did what's happening with my microphone I'm oh, just is, turning is it is that working now yeah okay I don't do technology well but yeah uh, apparently Neil Magny came in and grinded out a uh, 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 decision win over Kevin Gastelum in Mexico last night so that was people were like man Kevin or uh, Neil Magny's that dude. He's gonna do it, and I was like, "All right, well, I'm not even gonna watch the fight." And then I woke up seeing that Neil Magny won. I was like, "Oh wow, I'm a jerk." Um, and then the Miguel Cotto Canelo Alvarez uh, boxing match took last night with uh, Alvarez coming out with a unanimous decision. Oh, this is the first time I've actually heard my voice through my headset. <laughs> you always got to wear wow. your headset. See, this is why yeah. you know. And try not to get distracted by how weird you sound because you don't I listen know. to yourself. I'm not Roy Marsh NPR. I know, yeah, right? Soft rock hits. I mean, I think <laughs> Roy, if, if this whole martial arts instruction thing doesn't work out for Roy, he can be like an FM radio DJ. And, and here like, is falling rain on trees for the next <laughs> ten hours straight. <laughs> Absolutely. So, so let, let's so let's cap off the the Cotto Canelo Alvarez fight. Like, was that what most people expected? Like, I, I don't follow boxing super well, but yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people thought that Cotto might actually come out and bully around uh, Canelo Alvarez, but Alvarez appeared to just be a step ahead the whole time. Just te- was that a technical thing? Very technical. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure. We might put some highlights on the Facebook page later if I can find them. Really good slips, returns, long uppercuts is really cool to see. Yeah. What do you think the difference in the fight? Like just Alvarez just being that one step ahead. The one step ahead. Yeah. So it's I- like jujitsu matches. You have that one guy's gonna be one step ahead, and you'll see it happen. But then there's sometimes that come from behind submission. There's that that you see that guy is clearly drowning. I mean, in a jiu-jitsu match, it happens. Yeah. Boxing matches, too. No, for sure, for sure. Sometimes you look at, at any martial arts situation and you just think, you know, because your technique has to be, you know, when you have a situation where there's a physical advantage, your technique has to be much better to compensate. Oh, yeah. So when there's comparable physicality, usually the more technical guy is going to win. And so you can, as you say, just sort of see a dude who looks like he's drowning or, or is just like, oh, that guy's not going to catch Also, that uh, lion fights, Muay Thai fights happened uh, Friday night where they actually lost the uh, main event uh, between Wooten and... Uh, uh, Yamamoto, not Tetsuya, was that him? I don't know, I forgot, because the main event got scratched like hours before weigh-in. Oh, that's because frustrating. Because of uh, failed medicals. Or like the guy got really sick, not from like, yeah, not not a steroid fail, but uh, <laughs> he just got really sick, couldn't fight, so that was a bummer. Yeah, it's important to make that distinction, because people sometimes make assumptions, right? Uh, yeah. But and, and you know, that stuff does happen. Well, this is one of the things that's really frustrating about, about fighting, and like, I can't imagine what it's like to be particularly, like any fighter, like even a pro, but particularly an amateur MMA fighter who puts in a hard six to ten week camp and his opponent doesn't make weight, or his opponent fails his medical. me back in December. The guy got arrested. Before, like, I make weight. I'm on weight. I'm cutting weight in a hot tub with my good friend Jeff Logan, and all of a sudden, we get the phone call. Yeah, hey, your opponent's got arrested for breaking into his girlfriend's car. Oh, man. And I'm just like, all right, I'm going to eat pizza and get hammered. Going out like fight. a chump. 
Yeah. <laughs> or my favorite story of that nature, which you told on the podcast, where you actually paid the guy to get on a bus. And he, oh my and he, gosh. And he, and he got on the bus and he showed up and he showed up to Wayans and just did not Didn't show come up, to the venue. Just yeah. did not show oh, up to fight. Like, gosh. wow. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, it takes all kinds to make a world, Trevor. Uh, <laughs> so in, in the couple minutes we have left before we get to the Frankie Patches, Joe Selecki interview, which we're both looking forward to, I just want to remark about a couple of grappling related things. Uh, yesterday was the Burkett BJJ grappling card, which was streamed live on Flow Grappling. And I want to say just a couple of things about this. A lot of people were really excited for this card because the matchups were, were really great. Tons of terrific matchups. Osvaldo Kishin is going to fight Joao Miao again. They always have entertaining matches for people who like jiu-jitsu. And everybody was really stoked for the main event of uh, a no-gi match between Andre Galvao and Hamalu Bahal. So there were a couple of disappointing things about this card and one awesome thing. One disappointing thing was the stream just didn't wasn't really up to standards, and it was really difficult to watch. It was choppy. Uh, you know, the card started late. A lot of times the stream just crapped out, which was really frustrating. And Flow Grappling usually does a great job. Their stream for for Nogi Worlds was on point, and I really like what they bring to the table. So hopefully that's an anomaly that it was just like okay, we're here in a foreign country, and we don't exactly know what's up with the. We haven't done this before. But, but that was frustrating. I feel like I should acknowledge that. The other thing that was a little frustrating is the rule set was a little weird. And, and so it sort of played into the matches being you know, different than you would see. The here, so here was the rule set. It was 15-minute submission only. I'm already, I'm already shocked this went down. I'm not a huge jiu-jitsu follower like you, but I'll watch the, the metamorphs. It's always cool to watch. The Toro Cup is cool to watch. But then you're dropping these names. I'm like, wow, I had no idea this right. was going on. Which is the other flaw, right? you yeah. got to promote these yeah. cards more. And and so, you know, if, if grappling ever is going to become something that's a really serious spectator sport, we're going to have to promote it. I have a lot of thoughts on that. It'll be better for another time when we don't have an interview to get to. But, but um. The, the one lame thing about the card and one awesome thing about the card, the lame thing was, so the 15-minute submission only round was awesome, but the rule set for the five-minute points round, which we also do at Toro Cup, was really weird. Like, you get stole one... Stole it from Boomer. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, if they just stole it from Boomer, it would be great. Um, <laughs> but instead, so you get one point for a takedown, you get no points for a sweep. That's right, no what? points for a sweep. You get no points for a guard pass. You get one <laughs> point for mount, one point for... But you get two points... For a serious submission attempt, and you can't see me making air quotes with my fingers, but I am making air quotes with my fingers. I wish which you is, would see the look on my face because yeah, I'm appalled. Yeah, it's super bizarre, right? Because it plays into, you know, it, it, it changes everything up strategically, and I didn't think the event was, you know, I did not like that rule set. I love the submission only with a five-minute points round after. I thought the points was really funky, and it was sort of meant to uh, undermine, I think, a guard player like Meow who pulls and then, and then sweeps. That makes sense. So yeah, so uh, the one thing I will say, if you watch this on replay, and I subscribe to Flow Grappling, uh, which, I, which I recommend, um, but like the Andre Galvao, Hamalu uh, Bahal match was actually not a super exciting match, except for one moment where Galvao double legs Bahal and almost sends him, the, and actually does, like lightly send him off the, the raised uh, the raised platform That's that they're grappling coming on. coming yeah. <laughs> so, Some genius on the internet has already done that. Yeah. But anyway, so so we're going to get into our featured interview with Joe Selecki and Frankie Patches right now. There's a lot of entertaining stories here. And Trevor, do you want to say anything in before we just play the interview? I'm good. All right, so guys, story time with Frankie Patches. Uh, learn all about what the, uh, Sarah BJJ Myrtle Beach, and we hope you enjoy the interview. We'll catch you on the flip side. All right, so we're here with Frankie Patches and Joe Selecki, and Frankie is sitting further from the mic than all of us because he has closeness issues. <laughs> it seems like no, it was it was yeah it was a slight joke that we're goofing around about it, but it's uh, violating people's space. And I may or may not have been in court <laughs> for a defense thing where I might have put somebody in a coma or not. <laughs> but anyway, 
Uh, what the, happens in Long they, Island stays in Long Island. Yeah, it's funny because I was already living in Myrtle Beach when I had to go back to finish this case. It was on going So quite off literally like the opposite. For a decade. Opposite, yeah. yeah, so um, I had to go back and uh, the, the uh, prosecutor guy is like, what do you mean he violated your space? I was like, man, you're like a grown-ass man. You don't come too close to somebody and be aggressive and not expect to get punched in the face, you know? Like, that's normal. I mean, that's what it is, you know? And I don't know what it is because my... My mom always used to scream at me, and my dad never hit me. So I have, I could tolerate a woman freaking out on me and never raise my hands. But if a man raises his voice to me, I just punch him in the face. And, and I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm assuming that's what had a lot to do with it. Well, this wasn't the case anyway. This is self-defense of the case. Is anybody listening out there? <laughs> Who wants to bring up an old that case? prosecutor is sitting there going, I got you. <laughs> no, no. Um, <laughs> so I said... You know, uh, when, a, when, when a guy goes to do that type of stuff to you, you're violating my space. He was, he was talking too close. He goes, what do you mean talking too close? I said, I'm not talking Seinfeld too close, you know, like a close talker. And he, the, the guy literally walks, like, looks away laughing himself. The jury, everybody's laughing. I said, no, he violated my space. Like, you know, that's how it is. And, and you go swinging on, and then you slip without knowing anything about Muay Thai. <laughs> I slipped and straight right, and the guy's snoring, and, you know, he goes in a coma for nine days, and you're the bad guy. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. Who among us has this not happened to? I think it's happened right? to, yeah, it's kind of, At some point in life, it's going to happen to you know? <laughs> it's, it's, And it's funny is that half their family moved from the spot where I was in Long Island, where I had this issue, right to Myrtle Beach. No <laughs> way. Supposedly has like the best pizza in the area, so I can't even get there for pizza now. I have to make my own pizza, my own sauce. Yeah, it sucks. Your own at-home donut cheeseburgers. Yeah. And funny <laughs> enough, we passed him on the road. He's in a garbage, I used to own a garbage yeah. company. So I'm driving... <laughs> And I realized, it's a guy put a coma. He's in the coma truck, parked at the light. Hunt and waved. I mean, literally. Oh yeah. Look, he's I mean, taking a nap at the red light. Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah it is kind of sad. Not as much as changed. Yeah. <laughs> he was having seizures after that and driving to people's homes oh in trucks. Yeah. Don't violate now, listen, people's just, space. Not, don't violate space. Don't be a close talker. No, uh, it wasn't. It was way more in depth than that. But anyway, I, it's like Billy the Kid or wherever the hell that goes, right? I never stole a, man, a horse from a man I didn't like. I got to the point where I did that to you. You over and beyond deserved getting what you got. <laughs> I slept like a baby when the day that happened. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I wish you I could say. sleep of your life. Yeah. yeah. And you wonder the where best it comes sleep from. sleep is, too. Yeah. <laughs> and you wonder where it comes from because my mom, like, halfway through was defending because we spent, like, over $100,000 on a lawyer. Only because when he finally woke up and then he lawyered up, he goes and tells, instead of saying, hey, I waited outside a garbage dump and picked a fight. And, you know, I'm looking to throw my digits around. You get knocked out and then you go and say... When I woke up, he ripped me out of the truck, and, I was, and when I came to, he had a pipe in his hand. So now you have a weapon with an intent to kill, so the degrees of everything, instead, oh, instead yeah. of being a simple street fight, now you're up for murder. <laughs> you're like, so uh, he deserved to lose the case anyway. It's the people that, that lose always have to make it worse. Yeah. If you're you a martial artist and you've bounced, you'll have a story like that. Everywhere I go, it's like the oh, jack God. picks a fight with the five foot seven bouncer. He came out with a pipe. I kicked you in the leg. Right. <laughs> right. He, like, no, the guy literally right. blew brought, the case yeah. for himself. Yeah. He blew the case for himself because he lied too much. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
I was just able to break down that case. I mean, what, and Joe's like, what does it have to do about jiu-jitsu? Oh. I'm just telling you what it is. But he wrote this it for himself. This is the Matt Sarah guy to jiu-jitsu, where yeah. it's the... Goodfellas yeah. jiu-jitsu. The Goodfellas yeah. jiu-jitsu, yeah. Yeah, I mean, everybody up there has got some sort of story like that. And, <laughs> you <know>. Joe, you <laughs> ever put anybody in a coma? Uh, I know. We're Frank, still Frank, looking Frank, he did for it for me. We're, we're trying to one. We're, still, we're, still we're taking applications. We all, <laughs> you know that Rumbler thing that's going on right now? Like, we're man, I have not lived. What do I, I go to school. I like to work out. I have no chest hair. Yeah. 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 So I have him believing that if he eats tacos, he'll grow his chest hair. <laughs> Eat it. He'll put hair in your chest. He takes me literally. Oh, okay. Cool. <laughs> no matter what it is. I'm like, here, have this coffee. He'll put hair in your chest. He's addicted to coffee now. I'm, I'm, four, I'm 41. I have 12 chest hairs, so I guess Tacos, lack of tacos oh, is probably gray hairs. I'm I 22. Yeah. Oh, shit. Shave a couple times and then you'll see them come right back. Not hairy at all. <laughs> well, so Joe, at the age of 22, you're already one of the most accomplished competitors in the Carolinas. And Jay Quitfield, who you competed against at one of one of your super fights, has told me he considers you the best active jujitsu <laughs> competitor in the Carolinas. And so you've had a bunch of super fights. You've got a bunch of tournament success. I just wonder, like, like, what's your favorite match? Could be, you know, any, for any reason. And who do you consider your opponent so far? In jiu-jitsu. Oh, it's the same one. Uh, Gary Tonin. Because, mm. <clears throat> not, and he was really good. I mean, but for the first, I think I went out there expecting him to be like a, a monster. And literally the first six minutes of that match, and not, I don't mean to disrespect, I'm not that he's going to hear this, but I was like, oh, okay, cool, I belong here. Like, this is normal. I was a little, I don't get starstruck really anymore. That's Frankie kind of brainwashed me not to be. Mm-hmm. But I was a little, like, hesitant on things, and I think that's what hurt me in the end of that. But I was like, oh, I totally, I totally like, I, like, win, lose, or draw. Like, I was like, I belong here. Also, probably, but also, I made one mistake, and that was the one mistake I got capitalized on, which most guys, you can mess up once or twice, and you'll be fine. But same guy, same answer, Gary Tolan. And so I imagine you'd, I mean, this is somebody you're probably going to get the chance to compete against again down the road, and I imagine you'd look forward to that and not make a mistake again. Yeah, for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean... I would do that again. I think he's getting into MMA. I'm kind of. I'm gonna keep competing, but I really want to focus on MMA. But uh, yeah, I definitely. Like, just how to shoot. get you into MMA because I've met a lot of jiu-jitsu guys. Like I want to try it. striking. They get hit, and there's like, dude, no wonder you're Neanderthal. I'm sticking to jiu-jitsu and staying smart. Yeah. But no, like you seem to really just like. Like at first, I think there's a while ago. It was like I'm just gonna stick to jiu-jitsu. Now it's like, wait, Joe's fighting. Yeah. And so what brought this about? And you said you want to keep going. And oh yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, do you feel this is a good way to like uh, it, it helps your understanding of jiu-jitsu? Yeah. Oh yeah. Like I think I've. I think. I mean, Frankie could probably speak better. I think my jiu-jitsu is probably better for MMA than it is sport jiu-jitsu. Mm-hmm. I like even like when we went to New York recently. Like I struggle with the guys that are really good competitors because they're so flat, not flashable. Not that I don't think I am, but I think. More cause and effect where, like, if a guy's coming up on his side, you can punch him back flat and kind of mix everything up. I think my brain works a little better that way, a little more ruggedness. But I always wanted to fight. Um, since I saw, I mean, I think I saw the UFC when I was, like, 11 or 12, and after that I wanted to fight. But uh, when I was, like, 14 or 15, they would just kind of put MMA gloves that on me. That was two years ago, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Last week when I was 14 and this week yeah. when I was 15, yeah. <laughs> uh, where I used to train at home, they used to just have, like, an MMA class or, like, We'd have MMA week, whatever. They'd throw MMA gloves on me, and I'd be striking with adults. Just to, they'd be like, "Oh, just don't get hit and try to take them down." So I mean, I definitely, I think I got hit more then than I'm getting hit now doing full feet to floor sparring, and I'm still getting hit a lot now. But so it never really bothered me. I just kind of it kind of frustrated me, and I always want to get good at it. So I don't know. I like. It. I mean, obviously nobody like goes into a fight wanting to get hit, but like it doesn't bother me at all. Like hmm. that's uh, good. No, yeah. that's, makes that's me feel the kind best of alive. Jiu-Jitsu guys going to MMA. For sure. That's the biggest crossover. Like you see the Jiu-Jitsu guys have a hard time getting used to get, like, uh, Verdum. Yeah. He comes out guns blazing as soon as he gets tagged. 
I'm going to drop to my butt and yeah. hang out for a bit. And mm-hmm. then you just seem to, like, it, it doesn't phase you. Well, I've also, been, I've also been thrown into just kickboxing sparring for years. Not now, but, like, yeah. before, without any kick. So yeah. I got hit a lot, so I don't think I really had a choice. Okay, so it just, that's outstanding. Right? Yeah, that's great. I moved to Myrtle Beach and got it thrown in with all the fighters. I didn't fight, so they'd be like, oh, today's kickboxing day. You're sparring Cody or whoever. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be like, oh, I'm getting kicked in the head. I'm getting kneed in the head. This is great. I don't know what the heck I'm doing, and I can't grapple. So <laughs> just glad to took years off my life, head. but it, I'm definitely not afraid to get hit. So you recently had your first fight, your MMA debut, and you won by guillotine choke. Mm-hmm. Was that the game plan? Is that how you saw the fight going? Or how, You can both speak to this probably. Like, What was the fight go, the game plan for the fight going in? Did it do go how you expected? Just do your jiu-jitsu. I think, no, not no. at all. No, we've been focusing a lot on striking. More so than jiu-jitsu, because the jiu-jitsu's there. So we're not, uh, we're not tripping out about that. And I think our style of jiu-jitsu translates so well to MMA, and that's why you see like a success um, at the highest level, you know, with Weidman and Aljo and Iaquinta and all those guys. Like, they don't have 50 fighters and throw a whole bunch of darts at the board and, oh, one of them's going to stand out and we have some guys at the lower level. It's not like that at all. There's not a whole lot of fighters, but they all, like their, their, their win percentage has got to be like just through the roof from the highest level to the lowest level. I think it just translates so well, our grappling style. It's not like some people like, I think it's like fantasy landish. You know, it's like, oh, here, well, the guy's in a coma. You know, like, what's your opponent doing right now? He's snoring while this move is done, and I take the gi and wrap it around them 15 times. and do, It's not going to – That's come on, dude. I mean, mm-hmm. at the end of the day, not to be the guy that's going to go, you know, uh, it's for self-defense, but it, it is. I mean, most guys that started jiu-jitsu, it was not to roll around with a guy. You know, that's not ever your intention going to do it. It's, man, like self-defense. I want to get tougher. I want to – you know, and then you wind up realizing it is somewhat cultish. You know, that it's for a harsh word to use, um, you get real passionate about it. Like, people like, they're like, man, I want to learn this. It's just, it's constantly evolving and this and that. I mean, as long as you stick to, you know, that in your face type of style, zero space, A to B to C to D, and just break somebody down, that breaks dudes' wills. You know, so if you stay that course in MMA and do everything right, you're not putting yourself out there at risk. You know, you could jump to a flying triangle or you could jump to a flying arm lock in MMA right away. What, what do you think the odds on that really happening early on? So rely on that when they compete. You know, some people, you know, pull guard and butt scoot and go inverted right away. Well, if you do that in the street, you're going to get soccer kicked by, you know, somebody and their four hoodlum drunk friends that know nothing about that. <laughs> you know, so you don't stand good odds, you know, one guy versus six guys. I, I think our style, and for Joe... We didn't really have to go crazy with that. That was already in line. So the striking was hands up, keep it simple, not going to try and show the guy 800 combinations. Like everybody we ever brought in was, you know, don't go out there and think you're going to throw an eight-punch combo and finish up with a kick. You're not doing that in two months leading up to a fight. Um, So it was very simple, hands home, nothing stupid, so you're safe. They throw a kick. And I always refer back to, like, my, my instructor's fights, like, like, I was a pure grappler that did very well and learned as he went, striking. You know, uh, Wyman, all those guys, Iaquinta, <laughs> those guys are pure grapplers that wind up having very good striking as it went on. But because of the way they stood, the way their, their stance, everything was pertaining to grappling. You know, you're not going to stand like more in a traditional tie stance 
uh, if you're not fighting another Thai guy. You're not both square shoulders or, you know, because you don't have any intent taking each other down. So your striking is going to be different. Ours is a little bit more. You lead shoulder forward, chin tucked, always like that same type of like we're going to shoot stance. And now he's guessing. Maybe he's not throwing his hands as much as he would. He didn't get off because he's afraid of getting taken to the ground because you are leagues better than him in jiu-jitsu. So that excellent striker is usually not going to get off. And if he does take that chance, it better count because you're going to grab his leg, you're going to grab something, he's going to the ground. And then, you know, you're a fish out of water. So, and it's safer. You know, hands up, nothing flashy. And, and I think it's going to work. I mean, I don't want to jump the gun because anything can happen tomorrow. And it is MMA. It's the most... You know, nothing is guaranteed. Dynamic. I'm the worst. My brother. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. My brother will call me from New York. He gambles and my buddies. and I have house parties. What do you think about this? I'm like, dude, don't ask me. Don't ask me because I picked this guy and I'm like, he's better than him everywhere. There's a puncher's chance. I see it going this. And it goes, I'm like, my percentage of picking fights is just... Do you, Trash. do you call fights where it's like if this guy wins this way, if this guy wins that yeah, way? You yeah, know, yeah, you don't yeah, yeah. It's analytical. Yeah, you can't. Because I've looked like friends. an idiot too many times. It makes yeah. me uncomfortable when they ask. They're like, oh, well, you're an expert in this and, blah, 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 and you're coaching that. I actually went on a, off on a rant on last week's podcast about this and that like I, I would never gamble because gambling is illegal. But I think there's <laughs> there's actually a pretty good percentage in just betting underdogs in MMA because yeah. crazy things happen, happen. right? Yeah. And, you can and, get reckless and it works. The payout overseas. It's like betting the home underdog in basketball or mm. college sports in general. Not saying I know anything. They're going to get their ass kicked, but they're always going to cover the spread because of the home rah-rah factor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a fact. Probably puberty got me into it as much as anything else. It's the Cape Side Concussion Cast on So Joe, how, how like just take us through the fight? Like um, you know, it, it, you know, we just heard about the game plan and like, how yeah. do you think the fight went in practice? Uh, it went, I think it went the way. I don't think I. The only way it could have went better is maybe getting the show stand up a little more. But I don't think that's something people want to do until I have to. You know what I mean? I think I'm a grappler. I don't want to get away from that. But uh, yeah, I mean, I went out there. I, I was ready to strike. It's not like I went and dove at the ankles. He. Uh, at the rules meeting, he had tie shorts on, and when they said head kicks were legal, we saw his coach tap on the shoulder, and we were expecting that anyway. So I kind of expected that. He threw one head kick. I parried it, which I was surprised I actually did. And uh, not that we didn't train that, but I was like, okay, like a, oh, cool. the instincts are kind of there. I, I literally and then, laughed yeah. and said it in the middle of the I fight. Heard, like, yeah, we talk during, like, it's weird. Like, we have, like, he doesn't, like, coach. We have, like, conversations. It's weird. Like, he's like, we were expecting that, and, like, Without actually, yeah, like without like, actually not. looking at him and like being like, yeah, no, we got it. Like, yeah. But like, I'll, I'll nod and like in, in agreement, so he knows we're on the same page. He threw another one uh, at the body, and I just kind of caught it. Knew what we were doing with that, yeah. And uh, I ran to the cage, yeah. So I did a uh, single leg, and he had good balance, I guess. He was tall, and then Frankie shows one where he turns into a double, so I did that. And then uh, from there, not to like in a completely respectful way, I just felt way tighter, and he didn't feel like he was there, so I passed, and then he. Uh, I do this thing where I fall back for a guillotine a lot, so he kind of hipped up and freaked out like a typical MMA guy, and I fell back, and I got it. Frank yelled, keep it about 30 times. So I listened, I kept the joke, and I got him. And then I kind of went a little over the top because I was really relieved. <laughs> it was a lot of stress leading up to that. It was a it's tough always embarrassing. Weeks. That's what I hate about things being recorded because I'm like, keep it, keep it, keep it, keep it. <laughs> Only because you could see the person's reaction yeah. and how they're not comfortable with it. And if you don't, you don't want to micromanage somebody when they're fighting, 
but uh, you know, because you could get in the way. Sometimes so too much instruction. Too much is, instruction. And like the person gets yeah. uh, caught up in the moment and they're overthinking. But when you see, yeah, but when you it. see somebody going and. Uh, like I call it pulsing, you know, like when they squeeze for a guillotine or something, they pull, let go, pull, let go. And they're like, why aren't I getting this? Because you're never constantly squeezing. A lot of these chokes aren't instant. When it's not esophagus, we're teaching a lot of blood chokes. Things that no matter how much you fight it, you're going to go to sleep. It's just how your body works. You shut it off, it's going to shut off. You know, you shut off the, the blood to the brain. And uh, when you see a dude's reaction, it's like, don't move on. He might not realize what's going on or one of our fighters, and you're there, and you're, you're squeezing, squeezing, and going, you know what, I don't want to guess my arms out, he's in his own head, let me pummel for an underhook and just maintain position. Meanwhile, you know, keep it, keep it, keep it, and the dude taps, and you win. And you're out of there unscathed, unhurt, and it is what it is. I sound like an ass saying, keep it 19 times in a row. And I run around with my hands on my head like a nut. Yeah. <laughs> it works. Yeah, uh, still on the topic of uh, jiu-jitsu and MMA, uh, you came up through uh, the Sarah Academy, which mm-hmm. is, you know, everyone knows what Sarah is, and... Um, they're like these throwback pictures of uh, you when you have like, MMA gloves on training. Does he believe mm-hmm. in a lot of jits with hits uh, practices? As even mm-hmm. you, you still do jujitsu while throwing punches with MMA gloves on, and mm-hmm. like you, you didn't fight at all, did you? No, no. man. I tore my ACL like mm-hmm. right before, actually thirty days before my scheduled fight. Oh and wow! Then, yeah, I couldn't get any type of clearance um, two days before because I, I kept training with it fully destroyed. And I kept coming apart in training, and we kept oh, messing wow. up our training. I had to like convince Matt. He was like trying to cancel the fight. 30 days prior, and I was like, man, I'll just jump guard if I have to, like, don't, and it, and it, and it made sense, because yeah. at that time, I was, you know, uh, I think I was a purple belt. Back then, was, yeah. Yeah, back this then. This 30, 40 years ago? Yeah. <laughs> they rode yeah. a horse to the I fight. It was, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It is in a smoke signal. Good don't, boy. Don't, don't choke me, bro. <laughs> no, it was uh, probably about nine years ago. A purple belt was like eight, a black belt eight, back then. Back ago. then, yeah, yeah. A purple belt was like a black belt. Yeah, no, we yeah. didn't. No, he still doesn't. And then it was a. Slight, it's still very like it, separate. Like jujitsu was just for jujitsu. Yeah, yeah, but I just you know um, I was a, a good training partner, I guess. You know, and I was always like somewhat whacked out, rugged. So. They would use me, you know, because I didn't mind. I would go in there and throw my hands. No, it's how you get a lot of knowledge from oh, yeah. stuff down the road like this. For yeah. sure, and, and it does help tank like the way that, I yeah. teach my guys jiu-jitsu is not based on MMA. Because when people say that, I, I, I don't like to even open that door remotely for somebody because I, I think it cheapens jiu-jitsu when it's like, oh, is MMA jiu-jitsu is great? And it's like, well, no, jiu-jitsu is great all around. Yeah, yeah, it's... Because MMA is mixed martial arts, so what you have now is a ton of athletes doing a little bit of everything decent. Mm-hmm. Nobody excels yeah. at any yeah. one thing anymore. And that is what makes, I think, the fights potentially uh, could be a bit boring. They're like carbon copies of each other. You're both making the same weight. It's You're like the difference between high school wrestling and college wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. Like high school wrestling match is great to watch. College wrestling, <clears> you guys know what's happening. They're like, hold on. For yeah. Like, you'll so still when, see it exciting matches like you oh, see yeah, in yeah, MMA, yeah. but then you still yeah. see some of the guys everything is just oh god it's two counterfighters right but I, uh, I think it's great when you have yeah. like a great tie guy a great kickboxer with decent wrestling and decent jiu-jitsu versus a great jiu-jitsu guy with decent striking I think that makes for great fights it's oh, like yeah. man he better get him down and this and that or you know, you always have a punch of in chance. those situations, you usually see the jiu-jitsu guy will outstrike the good striker. Because yes, the striker he doesn't is want to go so great. doubt about closing the range yeah. of strike, and all of a sudden, boom, striker's knocked out. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, I think the key word is, is you said grappler. Yeah. You know what I mean? And not jiu-jitsu guy. Yeah. I think there's a lot of jiu-jitsu guys that aren't good grapplers. Yeah, the, the transition think, between the punches and the takedowns, yeah. there's that big yeah. middle ground. You yeah. can't, you're not pulling. I mean, you can, obviously, but you're not. 
You need to be on top. You don't need to be, but you need to be on top of MMA. And there's ways to grapple for MMA and no gi jiu-jitsu in general that is different. You know, it's just different. You know, you have the gi on or something like that. You could do a back take, literally stand up, pull up on the guy's lapels through his armpit and poke your your hooks in. Now you're on the guy's back. Try doing that in MMA. The guy's coming out the back door and then brutalizing you again when you were just on top. How many days a week do you spend doing uh, no gi? Uh, we do every other day. Actually, more than gi, which is yeah. uh, Saturday and Sunday. Doesn't get mad, but yeah, yeah, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is gi. We never get away from the gi because yeah. I think it slows down Absolutely. technique. It, 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 you know, when you rely on sweat and speed and stuff, that will fail you as you fatigue and as you know sweat and just it, it changes. It becomes sloppy. The gi, you technique just shines through. You know a lot. Um, so I think it slows up the game. So you really understand on what you need to do and how do you, you need to do and uh, we have our guys leading up to it like Cody and stuff right up, they're still in the gi leading up mm-hmm. to the fight to, oh, yeah. because at least you're still using your brain like you're sharpening like that computer you're still problem solving that's all it really is is movement you're understanding movement so why should I take the gi off to prepare for anything like that if he's going for a college hook he, he acknowledged it he sees it you could tell when somebody is, is starting to fire on all cylinders whether the gi's on or off or they're, they're sharp they're, they're catching that choke they're catching that arm lock there you know even if it is or they're using the lapel to choke it. yeah I get it's different but I think it's more about your brain being sharp because that will always be there no matter how tired you get. so This is something I'm really interested in because there's a raging debate about whether training in the gi is necessary for MMA success. And it sounds like, I, I think I hear your opinion clearly. Is that something you get from Matt Sarah? Is that something you've developed through your own understanding? And Yeah, you know, I, it's a, I think it's a combo of the both. When you come up like that, you know, it's not that you want to be closed-minded and go, well, this is the way my teacher did it. And, but, you know, if the proof is in the pudding and you're seeing what goes on and being a part of it from early on with Luke Cuomo and Drago and, like, the early batch of guys that made it in the UFC, like, they Those all started. Those guys to the, watch them fight. <laughs> there was so much grit with that group that you were training with that you do not see with a lot of these guys. You should have seen a lot of those sparring sessions I, I tell jokes about being punched straight in the throat but like I, from Drago like yeah. against the cage and literally like you didn't quit you didn't just go oh, t- time out and quit and stuff you see Myrtle Beach but in that area where these guys come in and you just you just you're like begging them to finish a sparring session you're like you got to be kidding me you know, oh, it's just, I, it's, I know that when yeah, I moved down there I got the feeling I was it's like, incredible Whoa. and I wasn't used to that because I, I can remember myself being 26 27 years old and being against that cage with Drago with MMA gloves on and a beekeeper mask and catching it right in the throat and not being shot. able to talk, not being <laughs> yeah. able to do anything. And I'm sitting there literally going, this is how I die. This is it. <laughs> like in my head, it was yeah. such pain. Yeah. And, and you can't move your arms. It's just such a, a fear thing where you're like, wow, this hurts so bad. It's not like getting punched in the eye or, you know, punched in the ribs or whatever. It's you get punched straight in the throat with a dude that throws like that standing over you and it was virtually unblocked directly in the throat and you don't dare go like stop time out cry out nothing you just like <laughs> don't make the beating worse you won't yeah. be off the back yeah. and you just keep going and, and not that it's that meathead gym but it's a different thing like you go out on your shield you say that all the time yeah like no matter what you go out on your shield you always have a chance could be 30 seconds left in the fight you can still you know? win yeah. you could still win so to be uh, that Travis guy that you met earlier here today like he had a fight this past uh, mm-hmm. week in his pro debut and he won with seven seconds left and he said at one point he got hit, he forgot where he was for two minutes. Yeah. And he still hung in there. Yeah. 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 I mean, you That's could easily game. duck yeah. out and, and be that guy, and then the, you got to live with yourself. You know, if you, it's like anything else. If you try your hardest, you're always in the game. 
you know, and then no shame in that. Nobody could critique you or, or, or make fun of you. Then shame on them if they're going to open their mouth. But the second you go cowering out, then you know what? You know, it's not cool to go talk about somebody else. You, you know, you're not in there, they are, and everybody falls back on that. But you're going to go in there half-assed, and you're going to get what you get. And, you know, don't get upset about it, you mm-hmm. know, because you brought that on yourself in my eyes. You know, if you go out there like a stud, no worry. It's the reason why Al, like, went to freaks out. You're booing me? Like, he lost his oh, mind. Oh, yeah, he, he went I mean, because he's yeah. chasing the guy around the whole time, getting lumped up, trying it, yeah. cut up, you know, plastic surgery, the whole nine. He's and chasing down a striker. Like the whole yeah. time, and, and you're going to boo him? Like, I couldn't have been prouder to hear a teammate say that. I was there for that live in Virginia, and I was like, yes. Hmm. You know, like, you know, shame on all you guys. You are listening to the K-Side Concussion Cast. I am listening to the K-Side Concussion Cast. I'm interested in both of y'all's answer to this question. So what are the most common mistakes you see, not among new guys, but guys who have achieved a certain level of proficiency? Maybe they've got a blue belt. Maybe they've, you know, they're guys that know something, that have some fundamentals. What most common mistakes do you see guys make in training? And it can be a process mistake or it can be a mistake with particular techniques. As a student, I mean, I, I help teach and this and that, and we teach the kids. But as a student, not trusting your coaches. Because I came over to Frankie with a pretty decent... Uh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm blanking. We just trained. I'm tired. Uh, like a decent amount of time put in on the mats, but like, you know, a lot of it was as a kid, this and that. But like, I knew I knew a way to do things that I already was so accustomed to. So to I like I said it before to somebody else. Like I had to unlearn everything I learned, and completely be like, okay, I'm yours. Like just whatever you say, I'm gonna do. Because I, I mean, it, it's a risk, but it's like a, if you're gonna have coaches, that's the point of them. And I think a lot of guys don't trust their coaches completely. Like I came over with guys that started the same week I did, and in two months, you know, they can't. I'm tapping them all, or you know, getting position. They're never tapping. And then by a year, you're like, oh my god, you still have two stripes on your whatever belt. Not you were that guy. Yeah, <laughs> but and you're not. No, you're not saying it, but you're like, wow, like what is the difference? I'm not any different than you. We started the same day. We trained basically the same amount. Oh, you never come in to get better because you're like, oh yeah, I know. Well, when I, sh- I you know, when when Frank, you'll show you something, you'll say. Well, I learned it this way. Well, obviously it's not working or like there's a reason he's being you. So I think giving yourself up to your coaches is huge. But I think it's a really big, tough task for any kind of – especially a man or a teenager because your your ego. Yeah, if you could put that <clears> – excuse me. If you could put that stuff aside, a lot of guys like the, – the best to have is the guy from the ground up. He doesn't know any better. Like I have Cousin Dave. We joke about Cousin Dave. Cousin Dave. Cousin Dave. Right. Cousin Dave's a murderer. I hate Cousin Dave. Yeah. He is. Um, he's suspect. <laughs> Dave uh, is not even training a year and a half. Yeah. And he straight murders visiting purple belts and this and that. Like, he's a, a murderer in a year and a half. No, like, seriously, he's been convicted. We're, yeah. we're visiting him after this. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's, I mean, that, that's the type of guy you want. Like, he doesn't know any better. So he learns from the ground, and it just... You know, it just works. Where I, I inherited a lot of people from other gyms that we had. You know, whatever. he also listens to everything you say because he's your cousin. Right. Not that that's it, but I mean, I think. Well, you I mean, can literally beat him in front of people like where you can't beat other students. That yeah. might give some motivation. Yeah. But think about it. I mean, think about all and the chance. And he gets to roll with us a lot. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, that's a big difference as well. 
Um, Dave, Dave's got to roll with us from Jump Street and spend a lot of time twice a day, all that stuff. So, yeah, class for class, it's not a year and a half. I get that. I'm not a dummy, you know, yeah. but in terms of a real calendar, it's, yeah, it's a year and a half. But yeah. either way, it is, it's remarkable to see it. And we were talking about on the way up, you know, Spencer's You, you let a guppy swim with sharks, man. It yeah, makes a you, huge difference. Yeah. For sure, <laughs> and you see him, he's moving, everything is just, and it's, it's, like, he'll watch me sometimes, and then by my house for dinner, it's like, I know what you do from here. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't even, I don't even know sometimes that what I'm doing. It's just movement in my eyes. And, and, you, and you'll see him, like, from the open guard, like, grapple, like, oh, shit, that's pretty cool to see somebody else do it that way. And uh, like I said, we inherited a lot of people. So <clears throat> you start, they enter tournaments, and they get mounted, and they're throwing their legs up in the dude's face, and I'm like... Man, who taught you? Like, what are you doing? I'm showing you. Get out, elbow scape, on your side, everything we train every day. You know, and the bad habit just, you know, when they're faced with adversity, just come out. And it's gross to watch because it's such a crappy version of jiu-jitsu they were learning. I mean, no offense to anybody, but I don't care if you're offended. But it's stunk in Myrtle Beach. And uh, I'm glad the way things are going now. You know, it's, you know, you, you, you weed out this person, that person, and now you have a good core of people that are willing to learn and listen to every word you say and you know not that i'm the be all end all but our guys that that do like joe joe included and you know when he first came over we grappled on the first day <laughs> it was the best selling when him and uh, another one of our guys came over and um i grappled with him that day I said, what was that I'm like, stick around, like, you know, like, pay me one month first before I go show it. Like, I wasn't going to start telling you everything. Like, yeah, I'm an open book to my students because that's my best advertisement. You know, I don't put signs in the ground and harass you with cold calling and dumb like that. Uh, yeah. I was one, f- I, my locker was already packed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it was kind of crazy. I was figuring out a safe way to leave. <laughs> Yeah, the classes after that day. Those guys that bought the gym were jerks from what I've heard. Oh, wait. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's me. Yeah. Me and my friends. <laughs> no, but after that day, um, our classes were delayed like three, four days in a row because we just had a line of people signing up. Like, literally, just sign waivers. We'll get you signed up later. Like, get on the mats. Was, you know, Joe had left and was like, we've been lied to. Get here. Yeah. You know, and they just emptied out, you know. And it is what it is. And all for the better, too. You know, just the 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 region in that area was just... And now at least it's good. There's, you know, you got uh, I'm Fitness Edge left in us for the most part in that area. And they're actually doing jiu-jitsu and stuff now. They, right. have, got, they uh, have a real martial arts um, program, you know. Who came in? The, Pe- uh, the Pellegrino Black Belt. Yeah. Uh, uh, Kennington. Derek. Yeah, Derek. Derek I, I, yeah. I've talked yeah. to him a couple times. I like the guy a lot. Derek Kennington. Yeah. yeah, blinked out. Sorry, DK. Well, I think he's got them training in a gi over there and oh, stuff. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. See, Myrtle, Myrtle Beach is starting to do martial arts, you know? Yeah. Not right. fighting. No, right. That's that's yeah. where that's what it was. Yes. Everyone wanted to be the hometown yes. fighter there is yes. what I saw. They no one really cared about training, they just wanted to fight and make the sponsorship money. Exactly. It was very when I heard some of the sponsorship money those cats were making back. <laughs> it's insane. Right? Dude, you I have this conversation. You made, you made five grand on sponsorships, you're an amateur. I have had conversation happen? with, with um, oh, yeah. UFC prospects, I'm not gonna name names that, that, that are on the show and stuff now. But um I guess I narrowed it down. But anyway, <laughs> sorry. But anyway. Shmeem, shmeem. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, he's like, man, you know, hard to get by. When am I going to go to UFC? And I don't know. I said, man, what about sponsors? And so he said, what? So we're like, yeah, we have. But this minor. And you're talking about a pro, very successful. 
And I'm like, oh, shoot, the Hammy's down there are making five, six, seven, eight, ten thousand. I was like, Literally. what? And not training, really. And not, yeah, not even really giving their money's worth for what they're getting, like, you know, to the people that gave them the money and trust them with the money and stuff. So it's like, it was really sick. So right now, it's all cleaned up for the most part. I'm happy with having a competing, uh, a, a, a competing gym. Um, not too far down the road, that's good, you know, um, and we have our place, and it got rid of a little of the small, like, BS ones that were just rogue places, so you're going to go, you know, you're going to go where you're going to go. Joe, you said something that I wanted to follow up on. You said that, uh, you know, a lot of the gyms down there are teaching martial arts now instead of just fighting, and I'm interested yeah. in what you think the distinction is between martial arts and fighting. Uh, without sounding, like, rude, I think martial arts people are like, they, A, they train every day. You know, not every day, but you know what I mean. Like, like GSP would say, he's a martial artist all year long. When he Still wasn't in the martial artist mindset, yes. not just when, the fighter mindset. When he would get out of a camp, he would be like, "Okay, I'm not training MMA right now. I'm gonna box for six weeks." And then he's constantly growing, evolving. Even now, the guy's retired and he's doing a six week boxing camp out of Freddie Roach's. You know, Wyman. We talked to Wyman, not not driving names, but like just like you want to ask if you're around somebody that's good, you want to ask like, "Well, how do you do it?" You know, and he's like, "Okay, when I'm not in camp, I'm training." Every day, at least, sometimes twice a day. When I'm in camp, I'm training this much, blah, blah, blah. So those are martial artists. You know, I think uh, Myrtle Beach was a lot of tattoos and skulls and crossbones. And you'll see your guy, like, and, uh, you know, you can do what you want to do. But, like, a week out out from a fight, you see a guy, you know, you're at a restaurant picking up your salad. And you see him taking shots. And you're like, dude, well, like. Something's not right here. Not that it's right or wrong. You're just like, damn, like I've never I've never seen a pro do that. Like I'm confused. Like every time I've ever heard a pro is doing that, they've gotten, you know, destroyed. <clears throat> or at least be be at a John Jones level or, or something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Where you're gonna <clears throat> go and do camps. Yeah, I guess if you you're you're complacent and you're you're happy with who you are and what you're doing, then yeah, go do your camps. I still don't agree with that unless you're retired. You know, you should still be doing some sort of training. Yeah, and my instructor, yeah, yeah, you yeah, he always did jiu-jitsu. He always yeah. trained. Yeah. You know, <clears throat> maybe the diet wasn't on point, but they're always training. They're doing something, book a fight, and then pop in in three weeks and go, fix me, help me, here oh. I am. Oh, make me. Who yeah. It's like, what? Oh, dude, yeah, me, me, me. That's not how and, it works. And that's the, it's, it's, it's a shame because, you know, I'm a huge fan of MMA. <clears throat> I love it. I would never turn it away from my place, but we're a jiu-jitsu academy. You know, we do MMA as well. Thank you, yes. I love when people say that. And it's like we have a, a Muay Thai BJJ program. Yes. And if you want to fight, hey, you know what could happen. But yeah. no, you can be, be a martial be artist first. Yes. Yeah, exactly. it doesn't say fa- MMA outside. It's a no, different mentality. Yeah. Academy. F- fighting's more like, I don't know if I'm right or wrong, but just from like outside looking in, fighting's more of like a business. People look at it as martial arts is a family. You know what I mean? You'll have yeah. fighters that come in. And I said before, and you know, you'll have fighters that you could line up everybody in the gym and be like 20 people on the wall and be like, dude, name me six. And they wouldn't be able to do it because they honestly don't care, you know. And, and that's everywhere. That's not just yeah. you see it literally everywhere you train. And it's like a standoffish thing. It's like, like for, for martial arts, dude. Like fight is good. It helps you. It makes training. I've seen yeah. guys train. They train, you know, martial like Muay Thai, BJJ for a couple of years, and they fight, and their training is ten times more technical, ten times more. And I'm like, wow. Yeah. Like it's the now. same as going to compete. Yeah, exactly. You know, like if yeah. you don't ever compete, you're never going to get better. Yeah. You're going to be the guy that likes to just come around, which is fine, you yeah. know, like. I you guess. have those guys that are about that, and it happens. Yeah, and it's not, fine. There's an ask for every seat. If that's yeah. what you're into, then then exactly. be into that. But if you want to get better, go compete because you're going to find your holes. You're going to find dumb things. You might have. You might be. You know, just using the same old crap that. Like when I trained in New York, my teacher would just walk by me. You know, I was getting everybody with the doors and stuff. He's like, "No more. Two months. You're banned from it." Because <laughs> I mean, he goes, "How are you getting any better? 
You're yeah. finding the DARS from everywhere, and you're submitting guys. Great, congratulations. But you're not going to get truly better. You'll take a beating. You'll just set your survive. You make it scrappy, and then you catch a DARS. You catch a no. Open. I got banned from it. It literally made me better. You have to move <laughs> on to the next move. You know, and and it may help me evolve. Otherwise, I would have been that bully mentality. You're looking for the guillotine from everywhere. That's all you got. And this and that. I still have a soft spot for those guys that like. You'll see guys at gyms. I'm pretty sure Sarah's gym has, but like the guys I've trained for ten years. Haven't really competed, but they're still one of the toughest. Yeah, the it's like, uh, hey, I'm gonna have that guy with yeah. that counter. Like, yeah. those are some of my favorite yeah. guys. You walk into and they're just there to help everybody get better. Exactly, that's a, it's yeah. a family thing, yeah. and I think that's a huge thing for martial arts. They're the people you, you that have, you like, call. The best jockey that's in there to train. Yes, but then he's in there to train like pro fighters, dude. and he's a bad dude. Those when you get, my yeah. favorite we just people. came from New York, yeah. and uh, <laughs> we just a whirlwind. I mean, we left Myrtle Beach at 4 a.m. on Thursday. It's Saturday. Right, <laughs> you've been. We've been. We've trained three times. Island. We trained a bunch of times. Went to Atlantic City, watched the fights, came here, did a seminar. The whole, all within you know a short, short time. Like Forty-eight we just, hours. We just, we just came from invite only. You know, um, Friday mornings nine thirty, or Tuesdays at six thirty, and it's you know your UFC guys and this and that. And there are some dudes there that don't compete, have never fought, and are straight murderers. Murderers, nogi, nogi class, 40, 42 years old, savage. 35, straight savages. You're like, what in the hell? There's, and you have them, and they are the enforcers. You yeah. know, when I was in New York back then, I was that guy. Yeah. You know, that's, that was my role. And they either checked their ego and were like, wow, I should probably tone it down, or they never came back. Mm. You know, which was sort of brings us back to the Myrtle Beach thing. <laughs> that, that, uh, which is great, because it's like anything else. Like my teacher said, oh, somebody's going to leave in the snack. Guess what? It was told to me, patched by Henzo, and I'm telling you, people go where they belong. So don't get upset about it. Don't, don't even think about it another day. They're going to go where they belong. And I'm like, yeah, that's really comforting, and it's 100% true. If they want to be trash, there's a dumpster out back. Yeah. <laughs> well, a leopard never changes its spots, so you can't fix that. You know, I didn't raise people. I didn't breastfeed them, and... You came to me as an adult with horrible habits and work ethics and stuff, and you just can't fix that. You're not going to change that, and it is what it is. Well, you guys have been very generous to us with your time, and like, I'm just wondering if there's anything we didn't ask about that you guys want to make sure gets out there that we want people to know about you. If not, you can just uh, talk about future plans and what you think is next for Sarah BJJ in Myrtle Beach. Um, for us, man, I, I tell you, <clears throat> I hate to make it about like money and stuff like that, and it's you don't do it really for the money, but the... Reality is, this is my job now. So it's like, oh, man, the white belts and stuff and the beginners, they really are what what makes your business. Your kids' program makes your business. Like, we have 30 kids on the mat at any given class. That's incredible. A year ago, we had, like, nine. It just exploded. I mean, it exploded. And it's literally zero advertising. Just one person tells the next, tells the next, tells the next. And like I said, it goes back to the MMA guys. <clears throat> Not that I even want to talk about it in the first place, but since she got me riled up. <laughs> Anybody you talk to, you could visit a guy in Kansas or this and then they pop in and it's universal language. MMA guys will ruin your business. They just have an aura about them, an entitlement about them, a standoffishness about them. And I love MMA. And I love MMA guys outside of training. But that's not what makes your business. So we are Jiu-Jitsu Academy. Like that's our priority, Jiu-Jitsu. You want to do it, we offer those other classes. That's, you know... And I think that's why Joe's going to be successful in this because his jiu-jitsu is outstanding, you know, and, and always gets better every day. And that same work ethic that he puts towards that, he's putting towards striking now. 
and we've been doing wrestling since day one with us. You know, we have wrestling classes too, <clears throat> and we, you know, we do feet to floor. We train a lot together. So, you know, you hate to steal these cliches and stuff. Iron sharpens iron. But when you're training with good guys, you know, <clears throat> and everybody plays a small role. So for me, when you talk about, oh, I seen picture of you and this that and MMA gloves. No, there was no. That was real sparring. And then there was a day where. Like, oh, or, or this guy can't make it. That, and, I, and I'm there, part, yeah. part of the rotation, and I don't want to be in the only guy in the rotation. But I piece, and I'm just like, well, don't worry about it. I saw the look on your face. Yeah, no, like, don't worry about it. And they're like, yeah, yeah, I know how that feels. <laughs> looking at me, he's like, no, man. You know, Matt's like, no. I'm like, I got it. Watch, I, I'll find my mouthpiece. And I run in the bathroom, I take the rest of the toilet paper off the roll, and I rip up the cardboard, and I fold it up, and I shove it in the back of my mouth, and I bite down. He's like, you found your mouthpiece? Let me see it. I open it up, he's like, I'm like, it's the same goddamn thing. You bite down, so you don't bite. I'll just bite down. I'll There's no insurance like, policy. Yeah. I said, it's like dental x-rays. I'm just going to bite down. It's So I don't bite my tongue off and chip up my teeth. What do you care? And he's like, all right. You know? Drago for the Baroni fight. Like, I had to, I had, how hard was that to be that sparring partner? To be a brawler? That guy grew up on Long Island like me. I mean, we literally probably had the same exact wardrobe growing up with the kids. You know, you're a meathead Italian guy from Long Island, and you get getting all your hands around and stuff. And I was like, all right, piece of cake. I've been doing that my whole life. <laughs> and, oh, I know, I know jiu-jitsu now? He don't know that. He's a wrestler, you know what I mean? And an ex-juicehead bodybuilder. So it's like, all right, I'm going to come in there and throw hooks like a psycho at Drago. And the second he tries to counter, I'm going to shoot and put him down. And it wind up being perfect. And the way he beat him, that we repped that exact series on how he got put to sleep. Every day for the short three weeks. He took that on three weeks' notice or less than three weeks' notice. Joe, do you have anything to add? What's next for Joe Selecki? I'm fighting December 12th in Charleston for Conflict MMA. And then um, after that, I don't know. I mean, I want to, I want to, like Frankie said, it's not about money at all, but this this is pretty. I mean, I have, I work and everything, but this is my job now. So the same thing. Like, I'm going to take this as many hours a week as I can, you know. As many physically as possible on the mat or in whatever on the you know boxing whatever it's going to be, as many off the mat watching video whatever I need to do. Um, it's the same thing. It's the greater good, you know. Like uh, I want to watch the academy blow up, like not like that, not in a sick way, like in a, in a real way, you know. Like I want, I want, like, and I you know you obviously need like a support system and this and that, but I want it to be like more stuff like this, like. The fact they asked us to come to a seminar here on the podcast, the two of us, so it's like coach, student. Like I want people to, I want to do my part. My part's not going to be being the head coach. I'm 22, you know what I mean. So if I can fight and win, and people will say, "Oh wow, so you taught Joe, or Joe trains here, and you, you're, I want to train under Frankie," it's only going to make everybody better if we have 400 students. You know what I mean? So I want to take this to the next level. I want to go to the UFC. I want to do everything. I'm, I'm going 100 percent of looking in the face and tell you I'm going to do it. I'm not. Not in a cocky way. It's just I really feel like uh, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I feel like I'm in the right place, you know. I'll uh, be Mickey eating my crackers and soups. Yeah. Oh my yeah. God, there's the kid. We got. I mean, we have. A, we just have a good thing going. We have a family, you know. It's 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 a really cool thing. It's not. Uh, it doesn't stop in the gym. We have, you know. It's really cool. You feel like you have people that actually care about you, you know. So, uh, I don't think I don't think it's very hard to do it when you have that kind of support. So I think and that uh, starts. I mean, that that started with Matt. You know what I mean? That's that he's just laid that groundwork since day one. You have uh, these other franchises. We're, we're, we're not a franchise. I'm the only other Sarah Jiu-Jitsu school outside of Long Island that's not owned by Matt. You know, there's other, he has other black belts that opened up uh, that, that carried their own name or made up a name or wh whatever it may be. But, um, you know, he, it's what, how he taught us, like the morals and you're grappling on the mat and you move out of the way of a higher rank guy. 
Like we don't, I insist on not watering that down. Even with MMA and road people and this and that, and all right, we're just here to have fun. You don't want to be the disciplinarian because you want everybody to have fun, but it still goes back to the martial arts thing. Uh, you know, there's no way my brown belt and purple belt are moving out of the way for a white and a blue belt over here. Not that they're lesser human beings, but on this mat, they sort of are. They get out of the way while they complete their, you know, trying to rip each other's head off. You know, and that needs to be, I see it, you know, all over the place, watered down. And no, that's not, it, that's just how it's Everyone's always evil. been. And it's how it's, <clears throat> I think that's what makes everything stand the test of time and, and have a great product. You know, it's just, I think it's just a superior product. And, and that, that, you know, from Henzo down to Matt, just built that family and ruggedness. And, and like, he would call our fighters before fights and go, man, just go out on your shield. You know, like this, you give it your all and nobody could shame you for it. And and it's a ruggedness. You know, guys should know that when you're at a Sarah Bijet, um, <clears throat> it should strike a little bit of concern. You know, not necessarily fear, but I've seen it firsthand from when I started competing early on. You could see dudes like... They seen those blue geese, man. I see them. You could see their like that ghost look in their face. Like, oh, shit, I'm not walking through this guy. So that was Frankie Patches and Joe Selecki from Sarah BJJ Myrtle Beach. We hope you enjoyed that interview as much as we enjoyed conducting it. Trevor, do you have anything you want to say about the interview? I can't wait to have those guys back on. Yeah, like, no, I, it's it's we're kind of running into those situations where an hour is just not enough time. Yeah, and like you know, and on that level, next week we're going to have Dewan Owens back in the studio because a lot of people have clamored to have Dewan back on. But you know, you got the sense that Frankie and Joe could tell uh, stories all day, both about the old days and stories about you know Joe's really bright future. And when he oh, says yeah. when he says he's going to be in the UFC one day, I, I believe him. He yeah. has that humility and work ethic, obviously that technique and talent that you really look for and stuff like that. So to end the show today, we're going to go back to a segment we call The Parting Shot, where we bring you our favorite quick tales of the local martial arts experience. And this one is actually specifically about this interview. Uh, Our parting shot today is about Harper's Index. If you haven't read Harper's Magazine, you should know that for many years they've done the original By the Numbers column, which tells stories in numerical fashion. And so I would like to tell you for our parting shot a story about my experience editing the shall we say, colorful language out of last night's interview. You may have heard some beeps, and you may have heard some, some, uh, some blank parts. So I'm just going to give you that by the numbers, which is uh, the number 28, total profanities edited out of that interview. Number 22, those of them that were F-words. 47 is the total minutes the interview was before I started editing it. 42 was the total minutes after all profanities were edited out. One... Number of profanities uttered by Joe Selecki. Joe's a clean-cut young man. I appreciate Very that. Very clean-cut. Very clean-cut. Humble, respectful, uh, doesn't have any chest hair. 2.5 curse words per minute uttered by Frankie. If you round up to 48-minute interview, divide by four, because there were four of us on the show, 12 minutes, 27 total curses, about two, two and a half a minute. I think we can get that up to three or four for the next interview. Uh, if we can ever have like a underground podcast that's unedited, <laughs> it'll be the most profanity-laden <laughs> podcast ever like we might make joe rogan blush i don't know about that but we will if there's if there's demand we can upload the unedited video to soundcloud just for people I to think get we the, absolutely the, should the director's cut the director's yes. cut i had Ooh, i like that director's cut podcast absolutely the director's cut of the cage side concussion cast and uh we could have like the the 
exit clips as like random like Robert De Niro swearings like hey was that was that Frankie Patches was that Robert De Niro yeah yes. right it'll be like a concussion cast quiz yes you know? exactly I could tell already that like but seriously that was a, a, one of my favorite interviews so far I can tell we're going to do a clip show at some point of our favorite elements of all the interview I'm trying to gather those and I know there's going to be from that interview as well so next week we're going to have Dewan Owens back in the studio we're also going to try and get out and talk to Chris Clodfelter from 8 Points Muay Thai in Winston-Salem um Trevor Hayes, do you have anything to add before we get on out of here? Another number, uh, nine. That's how many days you'll spend in a coma if you get in Frankie Patch's face. <laughs> Word to the wise, don't don't be a close talker, yeah, especially talk if close. you're around Frankie Patches. And on that note, I am Jeff Shaw. He is Trevor Hayes. This is the Cage Side Concussion Cast. Get us get at us on all social media at Cage Side Whoop. And thank you ever so much for listening. We will be back next week with another uh, show about martial arts in the Carolinas. And to play us out, here's Tune in the Real Law. WHUPLP Hillsboro. Now it's three long years since he made her pay.